Get him stopped. Get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar did not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he done a double somersault backwards. My car will go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know, he's going to crash your shit, but he's still, he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Inflated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows, and if you ain't right, they'll send your ass to the rear. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws, NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series, and the Extreme Outlaw Midget Series presented by Toyota. My name is Ross Weiss. Thanks for joining us this week. David Gravel joins us on the show this week. Of course, the World of Outlaws getting ready to kick off the Houston's High Bank Nationals at the Houston Speedway. So who better driver to talk to than the driver of the number two Houston Speedway machine, David Gravel. So it took some time out of the morning on race day for us today uh, to, to talk to him as he gets ready for four nights chasing $20,000 the first three nights, and then a cool quarter million dollars to the winner on the final night of the Houston's High Bank Nationals. So, cover a lot of really cool ground with David today, pre- previewing the event this week at Houston's, talking about some of his off-track endeavors and his efforts on social media that a lot of people are following. So, uh, without any further ado, here is David Gravel this week on Open Red. situation first off david gravel thanks for joining us today on the phone it is literally race day getting ready for the first of four race days at Houston's as as we're here on the phone so obviously you you know drive for todd carry the Houston's colors on on your car weekly is there any extra pressure on you and the team when you guys are racing in the boss's backyard um I, you know not really um honestly there's pressure every every night for us to perform i think the biggest pressure is you know chasing after that 250,000 um no matter who your boss is so um you know todd uh believes in us and and he knows how sprint car racing we go sometimes sometimes it's your night and sometimes it isn't so um you know we put plenty of pressure on ourselves so it's just a it's another uh, big pain race weekend Talk to me about Houston specifically. Obviously, boring stuff hap- happens fast. What's it going to take to be successful there for these next four nights? Yeah, it's going to be really dependent. Uh, you know, the format is, you know, definitely different than what we normally have. So it's going to be dependent on how racy the track is and the heat races. Um, hopefully you qualify good and, and pass cars, but... I haven't seen specifically the points breakdown of what qualifying is and then the spread between each points and the uh, position in the heat race. So, you know, hopefully you could start uh six in your heat and, and get to third or fourth, probably be pretty good, but um, we'll just have to wait and see how it all plays out. But a little bit less pressure, honestly, with them taking only two good nights and throwing away your worst prelim night, that definitely uh, helps out for sure. So uh, it's going to be uh, interesting how it all files out here at the end. Does having a, a different format for for these shows kind of affect what kind of mindset or plan of attack you have to carry into a race night well i mean i think it's important to qualify good no matter what format it is uh because you're gonna be accumulating points but um being a non-point show um or show up points only uh you know 
definitely he could maybe be a little bit more aggressive and, uh, you know, try, all, all we're trying to do is put ourselves in position to win. So uh, when it's just show up points and you have one night to throw away, you're going to do whatever you can to, to get in position. So you, you know, on, on this deal on the road, our usual scenario was maybe one, one night at this track, drive somewhere one night at the next track, maybe a two night weekend. When you're camped out somewhere racing four nights in a row, how does that change the approach? Like you and Cody working together on the car, you know, are you able to fine tune your notebook that much more with that many nights at a racetrack in a row or what, what all goes into four nights of racing in a row at the same racetrack? Yeah, I think that uh, you can fine tune, but also mother nature or track prep, right? Could throw a big curveball in there. Um, typically you, you kind of know what gear ratio you want to run to qualify and race on, but um, the variances between night to night could change drastically. But, uh, you know, we raced here a good bit the last couple of years and I uh, feel like we have a pretty good handle on the new tire and this racetrack. So hopefully we unload close and, um, you know, just we fine tune all week and, Again, uh, last year, the track was completely different uh, on the final night than it was the other night. So it just it just keeps you on your toes, this this form of racing, and, and that's what makes it really hard. You briefly mentioned there the new tire, so I'll ask you about that because I've been having, a, uh, having fun talking to different drivers and their experiences with that. What has changed for you behind the wheel, if anything, this year with that new tire? And have you kind of had to adapt your approach to anything you do behind the wheel because of that new tire? Yeah, it's really hard to say, to be honest with you. Um, I feel like they definitely react a little bit different. And, and man, the last tire, everybody was complaining about being tight and being over on the right rear. And um, I guess maybe you're, you're that a little bit less this year, but you could still definitely get too tight pretty easily as well. So um, I think the, you know, the racing has been okay. Um but I would say so far the quality of the tire has been better this year for us wing sprint car guys. Um, the the rubber is staying together and not chunking out and not tearing apart. And um, the, the chalk sizes have been pretty good. So um, I, I'd say they, they made a, an improvement from last year. Kind of been on a little bit of a heater here as as of late. Got a win at Knoxville, pair of seconds at, uh, at Beaverdam. What do you uh, – a tribute to this run of uh, pretty strong results you've had here lately. Yeah, we had a chance to win both nights at Beaver Dam and uh, haven't won there yet. So I was bummed I wasn't able to get one. But um, yeah, we we've been fast all year. Um, we've been good every night, and you know we've had a couple misfortunate nights, but um, really take those out. I feel like we've really been in this in the mix of things about every single race night. So um, we're, we're just keep doing what we're doing and it's a long season, but this is when you want to hit your stride and start kicking butt and uh, winning a lot of races. The, that, that pair of seconds at, at Beaver Dam was something I kind of wanted to dive a little deeper into because, you know, people talk all the time about, respect in in this sport and how guys approach things behind the wheel but there there were definitely opportunities during during those races where you you know could have forced things a little tighter if you had chosen to on geo and and Sheldon on the night before but what's your approach behind the wheel in those instances and how how hard you're wanting to to push it with the guy you're racing against yeah, I never want to wreck anybody or drive on the side of anybody passing them. You know, if it ever happens, it's it's truly by mistake or mis miscalculation. But with Geo there that first night, uh, I was 
going to for sure slide them and slide across and try to clear them. But as I did that, I hit the middle of the tra- or middle of the corner. I hit that slick spot and, and got sideways and really lost pretty much all my momentum. And at that point, I just had to kind of gather the car back up and I figured he was probably going to go back around me and uh, really in the grand scheme of things, uh, I probably should have uh, went to the bottom and tried to hit the bottom there, but uh, you live and you learn. And then, you know, the second night I thought Sheldon was definitely going to go to the top and he went to the bottom and, and kind of caught me off guard. So, um, man, those split second decisions, I felt like we weren't really close enough to make any moves happen until that last lap, last corner. So it was hard for me to, to judge. I didn't have anything to base it off of, but uh, it was a fun weekend for sure. Packed crowd and uh, Wisconsin always packs the stands and uh, they did a good, good job on the racetrack both nights. Let's talk season as a whole so far as we kind of get here to the, the midway part and get ready for a really busy summer. Uh, six wins, second in points, kind of neck and neck with, with Brad. How do you kind of grade this year you've had so far? Yeah, you know, I touched on a little bit earlier. I feel like we've been fast pretty much every night. Um, we have two DNFs, um, and, and I believe Brad has zero DNFs. So um, for us to be that close in the points just shows you how strong we've been this year. So I truly believe we've been the best car all season, and uh, hopefully we can continue that through the summer months. And, you know, the points will shake out how they do. But uh, we're looking to, to win some big money races, and uh, everything else will take care of itself. We get to hear people talk a lot about how the – you know, people and the relationships are a, a huge part part of this deal. You know, we see that with the the longevity that Brad and Eric have had together on the the forty nine car. But you and Cody Jacobs now on the, the two car have got a couple years together. How do you kind of, you know kind of talk about the working relationship that you and Cody have as a, a driver and crew chief, and how that's attributing to the the success that you guys are having this year? Yeah, I think it takes time. You know, we knew each other before we got together, but. Um, you know, Cody's a strong-minded guy, and I feel like I'm fairly strong-minded as well. So it took about a year and a half until uh, a little bit past halfway last year where um, we, we started clicking well, and I think we have a great respect for each other, and I think we're in a good place. You know, uh, my feedback and his feedback, you know, we work work together, and, you know, nine times out of ten, we got a good race car by the end of the night. I, I like tell me more about balancing the the feedback but but between the two of you when you guys are deciding what changes to make to a race car what's the balance between what you feel versus what he sees the the car doing yeah it's one of those things um that changes every night but you give him feedback and he could watch the car pretty well as well but you know, I try to give them, you know, pointers on, on stuff with the race car in the sense of the wing or or maybe a left rear tire or something like that. I'll never tell my crew chief what I need as far as bars and how, how to wind them up or anything like that. So um, I, I just kind of tell loose tight or, or if I'm on the left rear too hard, there's, there's so many variables and – Man, to figure out a sprint car, it's really, really hard sometimes and confusing. So sometimes as a driver, you don't know what you're feeling and you have to lean on your crew chief. Uh, you know, hopefully he's seeing the right thing. So sometimes when the car's not good, I just tell him, hey, Cody, try something different. And he'll throw another combination at it and we'll try that. And if it's better, we'll roll with it. If not, we'll try another combination next time we hit the track. I want to shift gears a little bit away from talking about the on-track activity to talk about some 
off track stuff. Uh, of the guys out there on the road doing this, I, you're probably in the running for probably the the most social media active driver. Uh, you know that we we have out there on on tour. What? Where does the importance that you kind of place in the social side of things come from, and what what efforts are you you taking there to keep improving your your brand in the digital world? Yeah, I just feel it's it's so important. You know, not that I'm old, but I'm 30. But you know, I feel like I'm still in touch with most of the stuff going on with social media, and um, it's you know, man, if the World of Allah highlights aren't posted 20 minutes after the races, you know, everybody's pissed off nowadays, right? Like, everybody <laughs> wants to see stuff now, and then by the next day or the day after, they forget about it. So I feel like you have to try to be up to date. Um, you know, you got you can't have long videos anymore. You know, about 10-second videos on Instagram and Facebook, they like the best. Um, you know, everybody's attention span seems shorter, but um, I just like to show people some off-the-track stuff. And if it's me cooking or doing chocolate milk reviews or, you know, just trying to do a little bit extra than, than just the racing stuff all the time. But um, I just feel it's so important to build your name and brand, you know, as – I'm at kind of the top of my career. Um, I think you have to try to build your brand because I think it's going to help carry you um, as your career goes on. And uh, there's so many platforms and, and we try to do a, a decent job at all of them. And, um, you know, I have a social media guy, his name's Carter. He, he manages a lot of what gets posted on social media. And, you know, I kind of take care of all my GoPro clips and chop them up and, um, you know, give them the short version and, Trent Gower, uh, he does our photography, um, you know, on the World of Outlaw Tour and supplies us with photos. And we do work with Ascent Media and then then Dirt Vision uh, also supplies us with clips uh, for our YouTube videos or, or just for TikToks and Reels and stuff like that. So I think it's very important for my popularity, merchandise sales. Uh, I just think it helps our team out, uh, give more reach to our sponsors. So it's a it's a win-win situation. You mentioned there briefly kind of showing your life outside the racetrack and some of that off-track content. How important is it do you, you know to to show people that side of your life and maybe what all goes into this you know people just see you at the racetrack in a fire suit driving a race car but really showing people what all goes into this lifestyle as a guy who's on the road every weekend chasing these races. Yeah, man, that's something that I would really honestly love to show uh, more. And I wish I had Carter or a full-time camera guy uh, full-time because I can't even show the world what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. It's it's so hard. And uh, just the driving and reordering and restocking of the T-shirt trailer and uh, booking hotel rooms and, uh, you know, signing autographs and, and doing autograph sessions and, um, you know, adversity after fight throughout the year and uh, driving four and a half hours after a race and getting to your hotel or your race shop at three or four or five in the morning. So um, I, I think some people probably think that you're just a race car driver and that's it. And, but I have people every race, I'm in a t-shirt trailer working and people are like, Oh, you work in a t-shirt trailer. They're just like surprised that I'm either restocking or in the trailer, signing autographs and helping out and, and checking people out. So, um, I feel like a, a lot of people have probably a lot of different opinions or think they know what, 
goes into it, but man, it's so hard to show everybody everything. And, uh, it's a, it's a very unique lifestyle. That's for sure. Well, all right, David Gravel on the note of that busy lifestyle, we're going to let you go and get back to it. Cause again, as we said, it is race day at Houston's as we're recording this. So thank, thanks for taking the time to talk to me this morning and good luck as we get these four nights at Houston's underway. Thanks Ross. Have a good day. sounding marking the final two minutes of the open red flag conditions well that's going to do it for us this week here on open red thanks to every one of you for listening a few housekeeping notes before we wrap it up this week please do not forget to rate review and follow open red on whatever platform you were listening to it on so drop a few stars leave a comment hit that follow button that really helps push the show into the feeds of people who aren't subscribed to the show and listening every week yet don't forget to follow the World of Outlaws and the Extreme Outlaw Midgets on social media across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. There's accounts there to follow one or both series everywhere. If you have suggestions for guests on the show, don't forget to tweet me at Ross and use that hashtag open red anytime you have a thought on the show or a note to get to me as well. Again, thanks everybody for listening. That's going to do it this week. We'll see you next time on Open Red. Hashtag open red.